Today, you see, they've been doing my editing. I can't cook. Uh, good evening, John. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the North versus South podcast, a podcast about but not about design. Uh, how are you, John? Good evening. Uh, good evening. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Enjoying the sunshine. Good to hear. It's a beautiful day, it's isn't it? Gorgeous. Yeah, it was horrendous earlier, but really nice now. And uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, fantastic. How's your week been? Um, yeah, long. It's been a long, long week. I've been very, very busy and trying. I've been working really long hours, which is something I don't like doing. But um, don't you know? I don't think anybody does, do they? <clears throat> but I say like finishing at midnight. So yeah, if I nod off during this podcast, it's because um, I was up at four fifteen this morning. <clears throat> was that to see the sunrise? Daughter related. Ah, uh, yeah. So you're a little weary, are you? Um, I'm just a little bit um, dazed. And confused. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Are you fueled with um, coffee throughout the day when you have an early start like that? <laughs> no, I've, I haven't had that much. No, I just haven't had time to do anything. I've only had been up to work half the day because um, she's been out of childcare. So um, I'm now uh, trying desperately to catch up. Um, but uh, I can't remember what else I was saying. Yeah, see, there you go. I'm drifting <laughs> off into nothingness. Already, uh, really I managed to. In. I managed to finish the book because come Sunday, I hadn't even started. Our book of the month. So it was a, a power reading exercise. Yeah, did some power reading. I was reading at half four this morning. Yeah, good yep. book. We'll we'll get on to that. But yeah, really good book. Yeah, but yeah, I've been busy. Um, I'm doing. I'm building three websites all at the same time, which is not a good idea. Is that confusing? Uh, it's not. Yeah, it's not confusing. It's just. It's like spinning plates. It's, yeah. I can spend an hour on one, then an hour on another. Because if I spend too long on one, then I'm not pushing the other one along. And this isn't my uh, fault in scheduling. Well, I guess some of it is, but it's just the fact that uh, there's been all sorts of delays and they've all come on stream in the last 10 days. Yeah. <clears throat> one Always of them. Yeah. And I'm just one man. So it's like, yeah, it's a lot of work um, working with a content person on one of them but on the other one i'm writing and illustrating and designing and coding a polymath <laughs> I don't know about that but it's it's uh yeah it's hardcore yeah it sounds it yeah and i've got an exhibition that i'm working on that starts in june so that's really been ramping up doing all the sign so at the nec so yeah lots of signage and press ads and all that it's kind of nice stuff so, big format stuff yeah Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's my background, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, I, I, I just tend to see it on a twenty-seven-inch screen these days. <laughs> I don't, yeah. don't get out there and see yeah. see it coming off a massive printer. Um, will but, you be uh, going up to the exhibition? Will you be overseeing? I, I've the been I've been or? asked by the MD to, um, who I know sometimes listens to this. So I have to be careful. I don't really want to. I've, I mean, I've been to enough shows in my life, not you know, not to want to go to many more. Yeah, but uh, I'll probably put in a. Um, a hello, because my wife is working at another show at the same time there. Um, so I will probably take my daughter up to see her and then um, pop along and say hello. Sounds like a plan. But you know what shows are like? They're just manic and, you know, yeah, absolutely manic. So, yeah, what else have I been doing? Yeah, I've been designing. I'm doing some, doing some branding for a, uh, a stylist f- uh, friend of mine mm. and I've uh, been playing with some technology, which I've been doing today so we could um i'll come back to in a minute um but what what have you been up to 
Uh, I have been uh, working on commissions. So I'm, I'm just about to finish this uh, science fiction street scene commission, which is a three-panel thing, which has caused me no end of problems. I've done three-panel things before, but not uh, set out at the beginning to be a three-panel thing. So I've done a commission for someone, and then they've said, oh, it'd be really good. Can you do another one and carry on the scene? So they've been, and then they've come back again and I've done another one. Um, and it's quite easy to do it that way because you don't obviously have to think any forward planning. Um, but this one I've had to plan all three panels out. So it's been quite a big project. Um, yeah, so, but I've nearly all finished inking. So I've just got some finishing touches to put to those and then they can go out in a post tomorrow or the day after, which is nice. So I imagine in a triptych style, it's almost like a comic book then. It is a little bit. Are, um, they, the, are they the same sizes or have you extended one? And No, no, they're they're all A4. Um, of a, so it's like a science fiction Blade Runner-ish street. There's a food stall and a couple of silhouettes of people in the foreground. And a Vodafone. And a, yeah. <laughs> Big uh, Pan Am sign. Um, and there's going to be kind of connecting elements, kind of cables going across all three panels and things there's a little spaceship and uh so i've been adding little bits of graffiti today so i've added some graffiti from my favorite ever judge dread uh story in 2000 ad which was uh an american graffiti which uh featured chopper did you ever read that one he was a kind of a, like a soft a surfer on a hoverboard. Yeah. yeah, I do. I remember Chopper. Yeah, um, was he only in that story? I think he was in no, lo- no, lots that, of stuff, right? I think that was his. Um, that was the one he. I possibly. I mean, in. you know, we're going back to 1987 here. Um, yeah, something yeah. Like that. it's a bit hazy in between university <laughs> and all that. Yeah, so I've added a bit of uh, I've had Chopper's signature and graffiti on them, just as a little bit of fandom. Um, and I've been doing a little bit of work for you this morning, John, oh, which yeah. was which was nice. Working on some infographics for a project you're working on. Uh, yeah, don't associate me with infographics, please. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with uh, a, a well-designed, handy infographic. Yeah, it was a terrible brief I gave you, but it was literally like a hot potato that came in through the window, <laughs> and I just chucked it. Okay. <laughs> it was like my That's not um, how you uh, pitched it to me at the beginning. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I literally, um, yeah, um, yeah, just trying to juggle lots and lots of things. But yeah, yeah thank you for helping me out. No, 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 it was good fun. Um, what else have I been doing? Uh, that's about it really for this week, work-wise. I did, um, carrying on my chat from about bird life in our garden from last week, I rescued a small baby bird, which was uh, incredibly um, tense, actually. I saw this baby bird had fallen out of its nest. So I went and picked it up and then I had no idea what to do with it. I was in a mad panic. Um, so I actually ended up taking it back to my desk so I could Google what the hell to do if you find a baby <laughs> bird. <laughs> so obviously it crapped on my desk. Um, but it, it was it was trying to work out if it was old enough oh, right. to be out on its own or whether I should try and put it back in its nest. And I decided in the end I should put it back in its nest. All oh, right. Did you it's, Did you know where its nest was? I did, yeah, and um, its mum and dad have been feeding it since, so that's that's all as well. Oh, well done you. Baby goldfinch. Oh, lovely. Yeah, Um, and I think that rounds up my week, really. Bit of work, bit of bird rescue. Yeah. Pretty standard. 
<clears throat> well, let's get on to some latest news then. Um, I'll start with, it's a bit of what I've been up to. So I've been working on um, working on some branding and I've been playing with uh, sound waves. Um, I won't go into exactly what, but basically the rendering of them in three dimensions. So um, I don't know what the technical word, I've, I've struggled finding what the technical word for them is, but you know, like the Joy Division yes. cover for, was what was it? Um What's the uh, unknown pleasures? Yeah, well done. Um, so that apparently was a pulsar, uh, a recording okay. of a pulsar. And I didn't realise, but Peter Savile he just lifted that image from a book that had no copyright <laughs> on it. Yeah, that's not generated by them. It's just literally out of some encyclopedia of science from the seventies that the keyboardist from uh, New Order, or mm. Joy Division, had seen. Um, Keith, what's his name? Keith somebody or other. Oh, yeah, don't I don't know. know. Not. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he, he um, <clears throat> so it wasn't generated, but basically, so that's led me to generate basically a word um, graphically. Uh, and I've been playing with a thing called processing, um, which is like a, a generator uh, that generates um, graphics or images from data. Cool. Lots I love of this kind of thing. Yeah, lots of artists are using it um, yeah. to generate all sorts of amazing things. Uh, I'm like I said to you yesterday on the phone. Um, I'm like a, a chimpanzee with a with a straw poking at a termite's nest with with all this stuff. <laughs> anyway, I found I, I, I'll I'll talk about the, the guy later. But uh, I've started generating some of these three dimensional sound waves, um, and uh, I've. I used to dabble in th- quite a lot of 3D and we used to have cinema 4D license, which is my news bit, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, because uh, it's 30 years uh, old cinema 4D, believe it or not. Crazy. Um, and uh, today, which probably this isn't probably going to go out in time, but they, <laughs> they are giving 30% off all of their licenses, which is because it's so expensive is an amazing saving. Yeah. Um, and my license was like license version nine. It's now on 17. So they, they weren't giving a, an upgrade to it and nine didn't work on the latest or, or the last yeah. few versions. So I haven't been able to use it and I've been wanting to use it, but it's so expensive. Uh, um, I've taken, but I've award, rewarded myself from, for hard work this week. And um, I've bought like the baby version of it. So I've now cool. got a 3d render again. So I'm thinking of starting rendering some, Maybe getting some three D modeling done. Yeah, that'd be 3D good. Three D printing if done. If you're doing um, sound waves in three D, yeah, what's the third dimension in a sound wave? Because you've got wavelength and amplitude. Yeah, this is where I'm. Which give you kind of the your kind of classic waveform thing that you see on a like an oscilloscope type thing. Yeah. So what's the the third dimension? I guess it's time, isn't it? I guess well, you're plotting almost like lots of sound waves next to each other. Yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah. Um, I don't know the technical thing of it, but th- there's a, um, I'm just looking at the, uh, the, the app. Um, there's a, a, a logarithm you can calculate with. I can't, I can't open it at the moment. I've got I like a good logarithm. <clears throat> But you can either you can either render it in three dimensions or render it in two dimensions. So you either end up with these sort of joy division very flat things or actually yeah. proper three D. I'll put that in my website of the week. Um, mm. I've put the guys whose code I've nabbed and fiddled around with um, that he had put freely, by the way. <laughs> <on> the, <laughs> uh, it is copyright, so I'll put his name on 
Um, but he's produced some amazing artwork and he's actually making them, he's printing them off in 3d, but I thought oh, yeah. they would, I thought they'd make a really good product, um, for lots of different things like kids names, maybe say, say saying their names and then having them printed off as art pieces. It's really quite cool. Which would be it? really nice. Um, so there's lots of ideas like that, but yeah, I've been playing around with sound and imagery and it's been really rather nice. Um, you know, doing that rather than doing press ads <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can see the attraction of yeah. a press ad so yeah so get yourself down to cinema 4d which is a great 3d app if you've never dabbled in 3d it's probably the easiest for you if you're a two-dimensional designer um because it works very much like illustrator um etc yeah uh, i think the guy that you know i said some uh, a guy working on john pants films has done renders of a couple of my spaceships yeah. He's done those in Cinema 4D. Has he? But he's rendering them on something he's, incredibly uh, expensive. Key. He uses something else. Keyframe. All right. He uses as well to do some lighting, I think. Yeah. Um, but yes, he must have a, a decent setup. Yeah, he does. Very expensive. I mean, like the full version of it is pushing 16, 1700 quid without VAT. So. Yeah. It's not Quite pricey. It ain't cheap. Mm. But I won't upgrade, you know, until it stops working again. So, uh, yeah, done. Yeah, I guess unless you're having to be compatible with other people working in the industry. You, exactly. You don't need to do it. Yeah, know, and, and all I'm doing stuff. is generating things. Yeah, so I I like, I use it for type, um, sometimes some signage if I'm doing that, you know, sort of little visualizations. Yeah. Um, and I'm really interested in printing and stuff. So I really, I really want to get into that. Mm. So, yeah, exciting. Yeah. Little treat. Absolutely. What's your news item? Sorry to take up so much time there. Not at all. Uh, I saw that Penguin have released um, some new little pocket penguins. So they uh, previously released Little Black Classics, which were uh, pocket-sized versions of some classic uh, short novels and plays and essays, um, which were all black uh, with a white band across the middle and white type. I think it's, um, what's the type? Futura, I think, and something else. Mrs. Eves, I think. Um, and they've just released a, a new selection uh, called just Pocket Classics, I think, or Penguin Classics. Pocket penguins. Okay. Uh, So if you think of a traditional penguin uh, classic, they've got the the band across the middle and they often have the, the, um, an oil painting that refer, that relates to the, to the um, book. Yeah. So these are no imagery and it's just color. So a single color, with white type on each book and the colour relates to the language that the books were originally published in um, they've gone, they've chosen the classic penguin orange for books that were originally published in English uh, but they're beautiful little things, they look really not, you know, you, it's one of those things that's going to be so collectible because they're just going to look beautiful on a shelf together Yeah, um, and it's a, kind of a collection of um no, not unknown, but some of their sort of less well-known books uh, or overlooks, overlooked books. Um, and they're publishing them all in these 
this kind of smaller format. Uh, and they're lovely. 111 mil by 181 mil. So kind of that classic small paperback size. Yeah. Yeah, they're very uh, nice. They're very nice. I, I, I like them. They're, um, yeah, they're, 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 they'll look like a collection on your shelf, won't they? Rather yeah. than a well-thumbed collection Absolutely. of books. Yeah, I think they've gone a bit, um, I, I really like the pairing of, um, the future and Mrs. Eves. I like, mm. I like the Eves because there's a Mr. Eves, which is very much like, um, a sort of futury gill sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think they've overdone the ligatures on it somehow. Just looking at <laughs> I that. like the lost estate is crazy. Like, uh, no, just have, um, turn that off. It's uh, the, uh, Henry Alan Fur. Yes. Fournier. Yes. I was looking at the last one as well, which is uh, the Master and the Margarita. Right. Which has got those same extravagant ligatures. Yeah. I'm sure it um, needs that. It's so simple. Yeah. That it just sort of sticks out like a sore thumb. But yeah, very nice. Yeah, really nice. Oh, good. I like it in black. I haven't seen I any of those before. I love penguin. Do you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was my next bit of news. Have you got anything else for us? Oh, don't surprise me like that. Um, I, what did I write? <laughs> I have no, oh, um, well, I've read an interview with Jonathan Barnbrook, um, who I think is a fascinating chap. Uh, he's a graphic designer. Um, very well known. Everyone who's in graphic design will know him or of his work of a certain age. Yep. And it's a really interesting, uh, he's such a bright guy with so, so many interesting things to say. I'm not, you know, I've never been a huge fan of his work um, as in, you know, personal taste, but I do believe that he has got a, um, a real heart and a real belief in what he does and he's got a political stance which is pretty obvious um but he did the last two bowie albums and i loved um black star the designs on that i think it looks cracking Uh, i wasn't so keen on the next day but i understand where where that came from so um but yeah he um he's just talking really about you know the future of design um and where it's going and what his faith in it is and um and how he believes that it's an art form and it's really, it's really interesting to see someone at the top of their game reminding everybody else that it's. In, in his direct quote is, um, "You know, let, let's not." Um, what does he say in it? Uh, I've lost my thread there, but he says, um, "Let's not forget graphic design is an artistic discipline." You know, a discipline and artistic a sort of tautology there, isn't it? Really, right? Yes, it is. I. I mean, it, it very much is an artistic discipline, even if, you know, the artistic input you have into it is is just kind of getting a balance of shapes and a rhythm of type. And, you know, I think there's an artistic element to that. But for most people working in design, you know, to treat it as an artistic endeavour, you know, would be, you know, you'd be amazed if you could get away with that in your with your regular clients you know you have to produce work and generally you have to produce it pretty quick and it's got to conform to what's expected you know you can't generally surprise many of your clients with something that's you know got an artistic ethos or a bit of punk in it can you uh not or did did you manage to get some punk into your press ads (laughs) no not not um just in my emails to them (laughs) Uh, I think, um, yeah, 
but I think what he's saying is, you know, if you do, if you approach it in an artistic way, then you're going to get artistic work and therefore you're going to challenge both yourself and your client with what you produce. Um, and that will, that will dictate, you know, the kind of work you do. You won't be mm. doing, you know, yeah, invites and whatever, invitations, sorry, uh, and on all that kind of stuff to events and things. Um, you'll be designing album covers for Bowie. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's, I think it's a, an approach you have to have from the outset, don't you? You know, you have to enter the, the arena of graphic design with that ethos and kind of drive it. Yeah, could, can, could you change? I mean, you know, some. Don't you'd have to reinvent yourself. We were, completely, we, yeah, we were touching on this last week, wasn't it? Weren't we? To, to saying, um, you know, do you, I don't feel authentic talking about, mm. you know, showing my work off in public and talking about myself because I feel that what I do is entirely for my clients. So I have a sort of a little bit of. Um, I'm a little bit disconnected from a lot of the work I produce because I understand that it's for for them and for their cu- customers. It's not for me. So, yeah. Um, but do I need to step? out of that and into something more artistic you know uh, yes i'd love to do that but will it pay my mortgage i you know that's that's the fear and you'd, i should be less fearful maybe you'd need a nom de plume again oh god you and your nom de plumes <laughs> <laughs> i still haven't thought one i haven't had time but yeah we, we will get no, one we'll work on that I, I want it to be count to something or other please count to something <laughs> okay i can work on that <laughs> yeah, don't take any letters out of that <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it's a very in, it's on it's in Design Week, and I'll put the link up yeah. when we do some show notes. And um, he, uh, yeah, he's an, he's a fascinating guy. If you don't know his work, then definitely that's, he's got a huge body of work. That he's, yeah, I absolutely love Barnbrook, and he's uh, he's one of those people who's very very kind of giving on social media. He's very uh, generous with his time. I think I told you when we met for lunch that. A while ago, sort of, I don't know, eight years ago, I did. I curated a little online gallery of iPhone photography when iPhone photography was kind of just becoming a thing. And I got speak, Eric Speakman, uh, yeah, he's told me that. Yeah. A, a bunch of pictures, but Barnbrook did as well. I think oh, he, right. sent in, he sent me a, about a dozen pictures. Um, and we chatted a bit about um, football on uh, on email. He's just, he, you know, he's very down to earth and. Uh, a very nice chap. No, oh, what a, what a lovely story! And yeah. it's really nice to see these people that are high, you know, in the in the, sitting in the clouds. They're actually approachable, and they Absolutely. respond to you. Yes, uh, gives you a warm little warm glow. <clears throat> yeah, what's your bit? Uh, my next bit of design news uh, is something that's been all over Twitter and blogs, uh, and that's Instagram has a new look. Oh, right, yeah. Um, which, uh, so Instagram kind of resolutely resisted updating their logo, um, you know, significantly from its, its skeuomorphic, cute little uh, camera with its rainbow bit and flash for years. Everyone else on iOS had, had moved to flat design and there it was, kind of standing proud, this little skeuomorphic camera for Instagram. Uh, and now they've gone the whole, they've gone, they've gone the whole hog, haven't they? Uh, in redesigning not just the icons for their apps, but the the UI for their apps as well. I made it consistent across all their apps, which is great. I think the 
the interior of the, you know, once you get into the apps, I think it looks good. Um, they've uh, pulled out all the colour. It's just black text and black links and black logo. Yeah, it's cool. uh, oh, yeah I love uh, it. Love and their it. argument for that is, you know, we'd let your content sing, you know, and add the colour and the, the life. And I think it works brilliantly. Um, I do think they've lost a bit of the charm of Instagram. Um, yeah, a lot of people have been talking about the fact that they've lost this um, sort of like, like what was it? It wasn't three D rendered, was it? It was like it's just a camera, like an Instagram, an Instagram camera. Yeah, it was, a, it was um, um, which came off the back of what was the app before Instagram that everyone used to use with the different lenses in Hipstamatic. That's it. Yeah. So it was kind of like a complete knockoff of that, wasn't it? I remember because uh, well, yeah, I was using that app, and then people were saying, "Oh no!" But on Instagram, you can actually. Because I think Hipstamatic added a, a feature, didn't it, where you could post your photos, yes. but it was too little too late. Yeah. Um, because in, Instagram, when I first started using Instagram, it was all about the effects. And nowadays yeah. I don't use filters at all. No. Which that's, is weird, isn't it? That's a I weird shift. And that's where I think the logo is now. Um, I think that the the logo is about a brand that is not about taking photos. It's a social um, it's a social platform and, yep. it, and that's where they're heading. It's not about the camera. It's about the people interacting inside it. Um, and I think that's why they've dropped the physical form of the camera. Mm. Um, possibly. Um, I, 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 what, what do you think of it? Put you on the, well, they, on the hot speed seat. I think it's fine. There's a logo, you know, they're a big company. They've got 400 million users or something, you know, it's not going to affect them in any way, whether it was a great logo or a terrible logo. Um, within a few days, people stop talking about it, don't they? When it's that, you know, prevalent um, and ubiquitous. Um, but to me, the only thing was that they'd, they'd uh, for so long, they'd stubbornly stuck to this very old-looking logo. I mean, iOS 8 came along and everyone went flat there was a uh, kind of backlash against skeuomorphic design. Instagram was still there in its little island of 3D-ness. Um, and their new logo, to me, would fit perfectly with that new wave of flat design. You know, it's so so of that moment that I think it already looks dated. <clears throat> there is, I like it. I think there are certain things about it that, that are different. And this is where we're seeing a very subtle shift away from the very flat, uh, single color, no gradient, you know, kind of icon mm. where it's, and you can see where Wolf Hollins were so ahead of their time with the 2012 logo is, is that background image going to change at all? Will it change? I mean, if you change the colors in it, the icon would still be the same. The branding would still be the same. And I think that's why the line is so thick and strong. Yes. And um, that it does jump out from all the other icons on your phone. Yeah, that's it's, true. They've, they've obviously looked at all of the weights of the, because the, the Apple weights are at least half that of, yeah, their, of their line. Fat little it icon. fat. And, um, and so I think you've now got this flat feeling, but it's the, the, the sort of the gradient mesh behind it is pushing that off. So it, it feels like it's moving a little bit. I yeah. don't know. It's got movement to it, but they're not going back to texture, which was what we, you know, the grungy web that we had before, which was messy before skewer morphic 
took over everything. Um, but we're also, we're moving away from this material feel. And I love the fact that when you open it up, you just, it's completely stripped back and black and white. Mm. Um, and it doesn't try and impose any kind of brand or any ideas of, of a brand on you apart from the logo in black. Um, which is really nicely animated when you move up and down. It sort of yeah, gets bigger nice. and smaller. The, the only thing with the little icons is the body. Why has that not got a line? And why is it open at the bottom? It's really weird. All the, all of the icons are sealed, um, like they're finished. And then the little person on the right hand side is just oh open. yeah. It's really seems re- seems really weird. But that's uh, that was in the previous iteration as yeah, well. Right. So they haven't changed those much. But yeah, it's curious little decision hmm. what do you think of the other logos from their suite so they've got um yeah I like layout and what's the other one no, Tal- uh, the hyperlapse one no, i don't use those apps so i don't know them um, i've used hyperlapse oh no i've got layout i tell a lie the layout one to me when you see the it just looks, looks like, like a c why is it a c yeah yeah no they've got that wrong haven't they? yeah that should be little squares inside the inside the radius maybe yeah um, but, but as a suite together, they look good, but I don't think people will put those apps together because you'll get muddled up. Yeah, you're only going to have one on your home screen, aren't I mean, you? Most, or at people, least... most people have just a random clutter of icons, don't they? I, yeah. I've given up trying to manage them. I just, I've got folders. I just search. Um, I, I, I used I, to, but I just get lost. Yeah, I know someone who um, arranged them all by, all the icons on his phone for all the apps, arranged them all by colour. So it was a beautiful, as you swiped through the pages of these icons, it's this beautiful sweep of the kind of whole... I bet they, I bet they don't have kids. Which, he just couldn't find anything now, because they all look the bloody same. Well, it's like people who put their books in that kind of order. So yeah. How can you find anything? You need a bit of random chaos, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, I'm sure it's going to generate lots of debate, but it's really nice to have a fresh one. But please, Instagram, can we have an iPad app now? Please? Yeah. I mean, the images have been bumped up to the resolution. Come on, get on with it. Yeah, crazy. Okay. I'm sure that'll be coming. Well, yeah, but it's been like three years or something. Mm. Well, I just want to... Can you have a word? <laughs> me you, know, you know all the famous people. Yeah, yeah. I'll, get I'll, on to it. Get on to I'll Mr. Instagram. It's Mr. Zuckerberg, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I guess they are now. I'll have a word. We're this. We've missed the uh, book of the month last week, so we're going to do it this week. Yes. So you finished it now, John? Yeah, I finished it uh, about twenty minutes ago. Oh, well, it'll still be fresh in your mind then. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone uh, who uh, who's missed what our book of the month was, which we announced uh, five six weeks ago, uh, it's insanely great. The life and times of Macintosh, the computer that changed everything, by Stephen Levy. Levy? Levy. 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 Uh, and it's bloody great. So thank you for recommending it, John. Thank you for sending me a copy. Hey, you're welcome. I uh, really enjoyed it. Oh, good. A real insight into those, the early years of uh, of Apple, and particularly the, the period that covers the development of the, the first Mac, um, which wasn't something I was very aware of. I think I was telling you that I've, shied away from all the kind of biographies and books about apple because i kind of i've got this thing in my head about it and it's you know it's like a little creation myth in there with uh with steve jobs and his cohorts uh and i didn't really want that ruining uh and this book does anything but ruin it it uh it just sheds fantastic light on the the slightly 
chaotic nature of Apple under Jobs and how it created this amazing machine. Yeah, the reason I brought this book up is because we all designers work generally on Mac. Uh, if you're a graphic designer, I'd say 90% of yeah, designers work on the Mac. And the Macintosh, the legacy of it is very much um, a you know a long time ago. But there was a period that we've spoken about before when Apple was going to go away. And it's only the success of their com- consumer products that have um, kept them going. But they're now a multi-billion dollar company just even for the Mac side of the business. Um, yeah. You know, they're bigger than Starbucks. Um, I think was one I was listening to on a podcast today. They were saying, um, so that just, that just that business alone. Um, but there was a point in mid nineties when, you know, we were looking at buying alternative machines because we thought that this was going to collapse. It was, you know, it was mm. vaporizing the whole market. And what is lovely about this book and what I love about history books that are written in a certain time is that it's a slice of that period before Apple started going horribly, horribly wrong when it was just about to drop off a cliff. Um, you know, you're slicing through um, at a certain time, so you don't get these biased opinions of what's happened subsequently. Yeah, there's uh, no hindsight. No, it? it's what I love about reading, you know, history books, you know, say about the First World War that were written in the 1920s. You don't get any of that hindsight stuff that we can write back now saying, oh, you know, ridiculous, you know, them standing in the trenches, they should have just all gone home. But you actually get a sense of what the real history was behind it. And I think with this book, you, you do understand just how insanely uh, lucky it was that it succeeded and how it changed the world um, because they built something that they didn't know that it was going, what it was going to do. Yeah. You know, there was a period when it was, uh, I think that's one of the most exciting parts of the book is that just the failure of it in the first year of like just not knowing, oh my yeah. God, what is this thing going to do? I see they, they all, you know, the engineers basically built and, and added features to it that they wanted on their own computers, didn't they? So it was, um, you know, they built the computer they wanted, but they didn't necessarily know what it was going to do out in the real world. There wasn't necessarily a crying need for it at that point because there'd never been anything like it before, I guess. No, there were certain things in it that were just, um, you know, one of the quotes I've written down here is, um, because of Macintosh, people were going to learn more about fonts and typography using the Macintosh than they had since Gutenberg first got his hands all inky. Yeah. You know, if you think there were no way, unless you were working on a, you know, hot press or, um, hot metal or cold metal or, you know, in a, in an actual print shop, there was no way you'd have got in, come into contact with fonts and typography at all. It was a completely hidden art, um, and the Macintosh changed everything because of its, um, you know, what you see is what you get screen. Yeah. I mean, there is, uh, you know, there's a certain way of thinking that the, the kind of heritage of the Mac or its legacy is that it turned everyone into a graphic designer um, because it made those tools available to, to everyone, not someone who'd served an apprenticeship for eight years and then had to work in a print shop. Um, you know, anyone could design, print, publish. Um, and there was, uh, I remember probably when I was starting out as a graphic designer, there was kind of a backlash against that kind of home desktop publishing revolution. 
Um, and that certainly wouldn't have come about since the if it wasn't for the Mac. But we won't hold that against it. <laughs> but there's some amazing uh, moments in the book um, that I think of just fascinating. Um, when they're talking about before the Mac was born, it was Xerox um, Park was a research sort of laboratory yeah. that came up with the first sort of Windows-led environment. And uh, there was a guy called Donald Norman who said that now if we can enlarge this similar spirit of standardization to the machines of all manufacturers all over the world, we would have a major breakthrough in usability. Yeah. We were talking about this the other week, weren't we, of standardization and how far do you take it? But because we've standardized computers now, the fact that I can use one program in one part of the world and somebody can use the same program, there's a common language isn't there yeah um we're all using the same tools yeah. to make all sorts of different things but we're all speaking a single language well specifically on the mac that was one of the things they built wasn't it they built this kind of uh user interface toolkit so that anyone who was producing software for the mac could use this toolkit and would kind of refer to uh the instructions from Apple about how things work. So, you know, menus would be uh, the same across different applications, regardless who who published them. Uh, and, you know, buttons would be the same shape and would have the same rounded corners. And you know, I think that is the thing that allowed anyone to, to get on a Mac and do things that they would never have been able to do before because the learning curve was too steep. It allowed people to you know, work on a word processor and then jump to, I don't know, a, a painting program. And, you know, the basics of how you use those programs would be the same because of Apple's toolkit that they produced. I think that's one of the key things. And it was certainly a better looking toolkit than um, any of the competitors were playing with. I think it's amazing that this thing was a tiny, I don't know what the screen was, like 10 inches, something like that? 10 or 11, yeah. On the original. Um, but uh, Steve Jobs was, wasn't was that involved in the whole project. He kind of, uh, he he kicked it along and he took control of it in terms of he took all the kudos. Mm. Um, but it also was the end of him because he caused so many ructions. You know, the, the whole of the Apple board didn't want this thing to go ahead. Um, and they caused so much um, upheaval that it cost him his job. I think people don't realise that. I haven't seen the... Have you seen the film? I haven't watched any no, of the films. No, I haven't seen the films either. Um, but uh, I just think it's such a lovely slice of history. It's definitely uh, uh, something that you should seek out uh you can buy it secondhand on amazon for absolutely nothing um he's a cracking writer as well um he's very much an american style stylish writer so when he tries to be funny it's sometimes a little short because he's so journalistic yeah he's very good at getting across the characters of the people involved he paints a very vivid picture of you know the kind of uh, the piratical nature of these little kind of workshops and things that uh ended up giving birth to the Mac. Um, 
yeah, f- fantastic. I'd be interested in reading some of his other stuff. I don't know what other stuff he's written. But. No, he's, he's written tons of stuff, hasn't he? It was given to me by a journalist, actually, a um, friend of the family, yeah. uh, a guy called Graham Andrews, who was an ex-NME um, writer, and he started Campaign with Felix Dennis um, oh, wow. magazine. He was one of the original publishers of that. And yeah. Haymarket, he started with Michael Heseltine. I think he was one of the board members or whatever. But he gave it to me. He's just a massive... didn't use it didn't use a computer at all but was an enormous fan of macintosh and he gave it to me it's mine's inscribed in two th- uh, yeah july 2000 he gave it to me and he said i'd love it and i really did and i wasn't a big i'd only just started using well maybe i'd been using one for about three or four years then um so i started in 97 um using a mac we bought our first mac in the studio because we were pc based because all the software for sign making stuff ran on pc but yeah. we used to get so many files in mac that we had to uh take the plunge so i literally got this machine it was an 8600 with a zip disk in it <laughs> uh, an isdn manager as well it cost us i yeah I was, if i said it, it was like 40 odd grand the whole kit that we Jeez. spent because we bought a large format with it and couple mm. of other things and by like yeah by the, the isdn manager just like to dial up to get stuff in was about eight or nine grand just for the, <laughs> the card that went inside then, it i think it was was it the following year 98 that's when was it 97 or nine, late 97 or 98 when the imac and the g3 came in and that changed everything again didn't it i think the, had- i think the imac might have been was it when did jobs come back 98 97 so yeah. I think it might be 99, 98, the yeah. IMAX. I mean, they were rubbish, weren't they? I mean, really, really rubbish. Yeah, but they were always freezing because they never yeah, they had were. enough memory. But they were perfect for, you know. Students and, yeah, and they, they were the first sort of kicking off of the MP3 kind of, I'm starting to convert my CD collection because yeah, that's all it can do. Everything <laughs> being prefixed with I. Yes. Horrible, horrible sort of jelly yeah. plastic. Because the, the G3, the, the second model of that was a, was it green? Yeah. Uh, the, they did Bondi Blue and Tangerine, didn't they? And then the next iteration, they had eight colours and there was the tower oh. one. And yeah, no, but the G3, the tower oh, one. That, yes, that kind of... Because that came out as beige, didn't blue. it, first? And then it was, and then it turned into yeah. a, a greeny. The, was, and then the, the G4 was a blue. Yeah, that was the first Mac I had, the G3. Yeah, I had the four... That was the first one I bought myself. Mm. But yeah, the, the first one we had, 8600, it had like a big thing on the side of it. It was a, mo- it was a monster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm oh, sorry, reminiscing about geeky well, stuff. Why not? But it's a cracking book, really recommend it. Yeah. There's some great quotes in it. I've written down some quotes here. Um, one of them is, um, yeah, so uh, he says, uh, you know, imagine a future. This is in 1997. Uh, a future where we might interactively consume and reshape all of our information from a vast library of ones and zeros, representing the accumulated wisdom, expression and knowledge of humankind. Um, and then people are going on BuzzFeed now. So yeah. that's our progression. And then the best sentence, which is what I want my first album to be, which is techno anarchists in Bulgarian virus factories. <laughs> Perfect. It's weird you talking about quotes because one of the quotes, I uh, took uh, little pictures of some of the pages and one of the quotes is the one that you mentioned, the Donald Norman quote about manufacturing. Um, Do you know Donald Norman? No. So he's this guy who's written books. He's not a designer. I can't remember, but he, there's this thing called the Norman door, which is a, uh, I'm not sure if he, it's caught, 
if the dormant door is the good example or the bad example. But it's one of those doors that you don't know whether to push or pull. Okay. Um, and apparently, you know, if it has to say push or pull, then it's badly designed. Oh, yeah. It should it's be obvious. The- and he's written books. Semiotics, is that cool? Is yeah, that- but he's he's written books uh, about kind of the design process and stuff, um, but how it kind of how it exists in the real world. Uh, and he's a bit of a, a bit of a guru for things like that. Uh, but yeah, Norman Dawes. So it was, it was interesting to see him <clears throat> quoted in that book. There you go, <laughs> Norman Dawes. Look out for Norman Dawes. And the the other the other thing that they talk about is um I I just love the fu- I love future futurism back in the day when people are trying to predict what's going to happen yeah because he also says uh, in it um the same you know he says he's sort of criticizing public not uh you know of of criticizing people who use Mac for creating art and all sorts of things on it um and he says the same people spend a numbing proportion of the day transfixed by technology. Uh, the telephone, the stereo, the radio, the high-speed printing press, and above all, the television. And that is now your Macintosh, isn't it? It is. It's incredible, yeah. isn't it, that we've now been subsumed, that the mass, the, uh, you know, humanity has been subsumed into into the computer world. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's interesting. Did you, uh, the, the bit about John Scully and the knowledge navigator towards <laughs> the end of the book? Well, I, I, I think he had too much fizzy pot. I looked at um, a couple of those videos. You know, it talks about. Yes, the, I wanted to see videos. those. Kind of weird. I mean, strange. They look like um, a really dull uh, excerpt from Tales of the Unexpected or something. They're right. really odd little things. He's not. Um, a, he's not a fan of, of John Scully, is he? No, um, and sort of vaguely sinister kind of AI. Going on. Oh, I'm gonna have a will you, yeah, you, will you put that in the show notes? Because I will. Uh, yeah, I will. Yeah, but uh, good stuff. Yeah, and so it ends we'll, it ends on a cracking sentence. Well, uh, the the original does, and they've added a couple more chapters now. But it ends on "Behold, a dent in the universe." Yeah, which I think is a wonderful, fitting pie into the uh, to the wonderful Macintosh that's well, um, made my living. Oh, yeah, I'm mine. Uh, if you want to find out more about the original story, there's a great website called folklore.org and it's been around for since, for since forever. Um, and I used to think it was a brilliant web design when I saw it first in, this is back in 99, 2000 when it's, when it was released. It's still this, I think it's pretty much the same. So yeah. go and check it out to see what I thought of a great website <laughs> design well, back It's funny then. you should say that because my website of the week is from the 90s. Is so, it? Yeah. So you're, what's your website of the week, Rob? My website of the week is... Um, is Space Jam, the movie website, <laughs> from 1996. So Space Jam was a Warner Brothers film which starred um, Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan, the basketball player. Right. And it was one of those wow, live-action cool. cartoon things. Uh, and I've never seen Space Jam. But the website still exists exactly as it did in is 1996. It, is it exactly the same? Well, it, Hang on it a sec. I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm going to look at the HTML. Uh, yeah, no, is it, it is. It's got center tags in it. And, yeah, and, uh, it's got font font tags. Wow, yeah. and it still works. It's amazing. That's quite incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, yeah. Uh, so it's got all sorts of things on it. Um, 
Jam Central. You can go to Jam Central and look at production notes and photos from the film. But the code's the most from- interesting thing. <laughs> it's got yeah, well, uh, you're it's, just a geek. It's, aren't it's you? got some uh, some like little notes in there. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's table based, but it still works, which is wonderful, isn't it? The the whole sort of thing about design of uh, internet design of um you know tables are a bad thing. This site is still working. It's yeah. twenty years old. It's kind of incredible, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I interrupted. They have you. updated it though, because if you click on the Warner Studio Store, it goes through through to the, you know, the new Warner Brothers Studio Store. But you can get um, if you're going to where are we? Stellar Souvenirs, uh, and you can get um, screensavers <laughs> for Mac or Windows ninety five. Right. It's all um, frames and everything. Yeah. And it, I just think it's uh, it's a little bit of digital archaeology, isn't it? Finding <laughs> finding that that still exists. Yeah, it's like the Wayback Machine, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I thought that was quite funny that it was uh, still out there. <laughs> That's a great. I love the background. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's like looking into space, man. Talking of space, <laughs> my website of the week. Uh, I did say, yeah, was, one one is going to talk about the guy that I nicked um, his code from. Um, he's called, well, he's called John Locke. I imagine he's nicked that name from... Um, Famous philosopher. Yeah, but also the that program Lost that I'm uh, yeah. watching. Yeah. But his, Although he was named after the philosopher, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd have hoped so. Um, it's called gracefulspoon.com and he's an, an architect designer. Um, but this is just the Soundwave page that I'll put the, the link to. And it's the 3D printed Soundwaves. Have you yeah. got that link there? They're Rob? really nice. Yeah. Aren't they cool? Yeah. yeah. I see what you mean about they make great kind of gifts of, you know, baby's first words kind of thing. Or Especially names. if you scroll down to the Soundwave graphics where he's made them into sort of just single colour print, black yeah. prints onto colours. Yeah. Just, really nice. Yeah. So you just put the name in underneath that. and Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. But I'm going to do another pay, uh, another website because I'm greedy. And that is, um, we were talking about space. It's um, it's basically Space Food Hall of Fame. So at some point, I don't, it doesn't say when, uh, there's no history on it. And this is an old website as well. I'm sure this is going back a bit. John Glenn's Apple Sauce. Yes, it's the, the most popular food in space that's been eaten in space. And there's this drink called Tang. Yeah, it looks like a jar of peanut butter. It, it makes a, a billion dollars in annual sales uh, worldwide. Powdered orange drink mm, mix. Delicious. That's, that, that's how we used to get our is. orange juice in the 70s. Yeah, can you imagine the, um, the preservatives and yeah. artificial colourings in that? Was it a vivid orange? It's going, going the wrong way. So number one is M&M's. They were the most popular, followed by Skylab Food. Yeah. kind of would suit you know food on skylab would be good have a look at it see what they're eating in space but it's gone uh, it looks rubbish <laughs> it does but it's gone uh, the to the other extreme now isn't it we've got uh a pret-a-manger tim, on the- we've got tim peak our british astronaut up there and before he went he worked with heston blumenthal uh on some shut on up so uh it was a pre-packaged bacon sandwich what yeah Apparently it was quite good, but um, but because of the pressure of the cabin and the way it has to be heated and it has to be packed and stuff, it has massive effect on the flavours. So right. they they work together to produce um, a bacon sandwich. Yeah, and of course they're now um, uh, growing their own food up there, they're growing lettuce that they're eating, which must be delightful with a bacon sandwich. 
and they need tomatoes and they can have a BLT. Mm. And a pig, space pig. Space pig, yep. Pigs in space. Do you remember that? Yeah. I was going to sing you the theme song then, but I've changed my mind. Uh, so, on to pies. I've seen on your notes what what you've put for your pie. This is, yeah, we, we've, it's gone horribly wrong, hasn't it? Oh, has it? My, my wife has bought me today, Alf Turner, whoever they may be. I think they were a third generation butcher, which doesn't really say much about the quality. It's called if I, Dragon's Pork Pie. Right. It's um, it's made it's premium pork pie made with super hot chili sauce. Ooh. And uh, I got it out. It's like a very pale looking slab of dreary looking pork pie you might have found in a pub uh, under a glass dome in 1978. So if you just pop into Alton, it will be there fresh for you. <laughs> Um, and uh, the yeah, basically what they've done is they've it's not in the actual pork. It's I think it's inside the pastry. Yeah, they've like, had lots of chili. It's awful. Is it very hot? No, it tastes like you know chili powder has been rubbed in your gums. Lovely. Um, which completely masks the flavour of the pork, which is a, a thankful thing. Yeah, it might. It might not. Um, the pastry is pretty soggy. Um, it's all. Generally, no jelly. It's a terrible pie. I think it's going to get my lowest score. Um, I'm going to give it a two. It's, it's terrible. But I still eat wow. it because I'm starving. <laughs> uh, and I'm washing it down with a Timothy Taylor's Landlord. Yeah. Oh, my dad would approve of that. Good favourite. It's his favourite beer. Nah. I have got from my local butchers, uh, Robson's Butchers, uh, and their pies are all from Tom's Pies. I don't know where Tom's Pies are. I'll have to look into that. Uh, and I've had their pork pies before and their ham, hock and pea, and they're all delicious. But obviously I've already reviewed those, so I had to cast the wet net wider today. So I've got a mushroom and spinach pie. It's gone veg. I've gone veg, and it's truffled. <laughs> of course it is. I can smell the truffle. Was that, was it was found by your pet pig, or yes, it's actually had yes. truffle oil? No, no, both, both. Oh, both, right. Um, so I'm going to dig in. It doesn't smell or look that appetising. The pastry looks good. Uh, and obviously I'm accompanying it with brown sauce. Mm. It's quite garlicky. And I'm not sure I want that in a cold pie. No. Um, it might have been better hot. Um, but it's a bit, it's quite wet. It's got, I've got to be honest, a soggy bottom. No. Um, it's not a good week for pies, is it? It's not a good week for pies. <clears throat> well, we're going to have and to come back strongly next week. Yeah, I don't quite know what to market because I feel I'm slightly prejudiced because there's no meat in it. Um, I think it'll get... A, I think it gets a four. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. Disappointing. Six out of 20. <laughs> that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, that's really bad. Especially yeah. after last week. 16 out of 20 last week. I know. Two eights, wasn't it? It was, was it a seven or an eight? Seven? No, no, it was two eights last week. Oh. We're going to have to come back a bit stronger next week. Well, that's very but... disappointing. But time has um, has not been on our side this week, has it? No, no, it's been a busy one. So, we have skipped what we were going to talk about. We have. Um, well, that's all right. We had plenty to say about other yeah, things. Yeah, we've got just gone over. We've just gone over an hour, so I'll be able to cut that down. Um, we're trying to keep these to an hour because um, we don't want to bore you to death. Yeah, my mum's attention, attention span is only an hour, so we'll right. best not go over that. So um, <coughs> I'll say goodnight to Mrs. Turpin. Yes, and I'll say goodnight to Mrs. Elwin. 
<laughs> and uh, <laughs> good talking to you, John. Yeah, lovely to talk to you. And um, uh, we'll see catch you up soon. Speak to you next week when we'll be talking about mistakes. We will. <laughs> Let's Design make mistakes. mistakes. Yes. All right then. Cheers, uh, have a good weekend. And you. Take care. Bye. Eight sequence stars were no good for making car in this life.